0: Thanks for joining Impact Boom on this episode.
1: We wanted to create something that was a bit more unique, that would allow them to stand out. And one of the biggest things it gives the vendors is the opportunity to really test the water for the first time. So some people come onto the site, they've tested their product before, but they've never sold it to a real customer. And it's just a very friendly, supportive network of customers that we have.
0: Welcome to impactboom.org. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 302
2: of Impact Boom. My name's Indio Miles, and I'm passionate about communicating the initiatives and enterprises causing sustainable and positive change globally. Today, we're speaking with Isabel Ford. Isabel is a community manager at TURN, the entrepreneurial refugee network, a social enterprise based in London that enables UK refugees to thrive through the power of their own ideas through providing targeted business support. She is also the co-creator of the Anka Collective, Europe's first marketplace selling products and services from refugee-led businesses. In December 2021, Anka hosted its largest pop-up shop, over four days in central London, showcasing products from 15 refugee-led businesses. Isabel is also the co-founder and director of Skylight Ventures, a community-led fund providing early-stage finance to refugee entrepreneurs who struggle to access mainstream funding. She is passionate about social innovation and solutions empowering those affected by forced displacement and has worked and volunteered in Italy France and the UK to support migrants and refugees. On today's podcast, we'll be discussing the growing opportunities for refugees to establish profitable and sustainable businesses and how global marketplaces connect diverse businesses and provide unique value offerings to consumers. Isabel, thank you so much for joining us today. We're really excited to be speaking with you.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
2: Isabel, to start off, Could you please just give us a bit about your background and then what led to your interest and work in refugees and social impact?
1: I've been working with refugee founders for just over four years now at TEN. And as part of my work there, as you mentioned, I'm also the co-founder of two other initiatives, the Anchor Collective and Skylight Ventures as for how I got into this, I initially studied languages and went to work in Italy after I graduated and just started trying to get a lot of experience in small businesses. I worked in a property startup there in marketing and partnerships and During my time there, I got really interested in the situation of refugees who, in that period, 2015 to 2016, were arriving in Europe. And Mm. in Rome, where I was working, there was a lot of projects that were taking off, supporting refugees and migrants looking to build new lives there. I started to get my lunch, actually, from a business called Hummerstown, that had been set up by a really amazing Syrian entrepreneur called Khaled. Mm. And so when I moved back to the UK, after becoming friends with him, I decided I really wanted to work in a role... That had some impact on people affected by forced displacement i did not realize at the time this would develop into a full career in social enterprise Mm -hmm. but i saw this internship at turn which had been set up six months earlier and they were looking to hire their first team i joined and it was a very small group of us at first but i immediately loved it it was very hands-on i was going out growing our community of entrepreneurs so meeting different community organizations in london going out to attend women's groups basically meeting the clients of all the refugee organisations that we wanted to become our partners and talking to them about business support. Interestingly, one of the hardest things was actually getting people to engage with the word entrepreneurship, especially female founders, because it seemed to be a slightly intimidating prospect. and, And some of the people I met really didn't feel that term applied to the livelihood businesses they wanted to start. A lot of them were looking at starting catering businesses or arts and crafts businesses. And so that was a really interesting introduction to this world but since then my role has changed so much. I now mainly focus on finance for refugee founders and market opportunities through Anchor and through Skylight.
2: I completely agree. It's a really interesting transition into the area of social impact, especially around migrants and refugees. And you've got a bunch of different roles, but one of your roles, Isabel, is that you're currently the community manager of the Entrepreneurial Refugee Network. So could you share with our audience a bit more about the social impact and core mission of TURN and a bit more about your role there?
1: Yeah, definitely. TURN's mission, as you mentioned earlier, is to enable refugees to thrive through the power of their own ideas, And that really translates into us offering business support, which is designed really to meet specific needs of refugee founders. We work with entrepreneurs who are at really different stages in their business journey. Some of them are just starting out, they're in the ideation stage and they just have a business. And some are all the way up at the the end of the spectrum where they're looking to scale an existing business or access investment. And we have three different business programs we offer these entrepreneurs to support them. From a pre-incubator focusing on prototyping, all the way up to a bespoke targeted program that just helps people get access to bespoke marketing support, or legal support, or finance. Turn entrepreneurs can access also our general community membership, and this gives them access to drop-in advice sessions, entrepreneur socials, and something mm. that's actually really important and overlooked in mainstream incubators, what we call resilient support, which is support with other areas of their life that aren't necessarily business-related, but are affecting their business progress. For a lot of the entrepreneurs I work with, this really includes language learning support, help with employability skills, getting into better work, and also support with unstable housing situations and and putting in housing bids. Mental health is also a really big one. So a large part of my role has been overseeing that, as well as bringing in new entrepreneurs to tend 10s community. Now we've grown a lot. We have a community of over 300 businesses and we have hundreds of amazing mentors, advisors and volunteers who are all part of our community too. And, and they really are there to give one-on-one advice sessions. A lot of them have specialists in industry sectors or business skills that they want to share with a refugee entrepreneur. And TURN could not exist without them. We work with so many different businesses, so many different sectors that we really need this expertise that goes beyond just our core team. Another part of my role is also coordinating the onboarding of these volunteers, making sure they're matched with the right entrepreneur and connecting up the community across all of that. Also growing our Champions Network, which is another really interesting project that we have because we really want to be 51% refugee led by 2025. We now have 30 refugee founders who work with Turn in paid part-time roles, and they really lead on workshops, events, um, and reaching out to the community to engage new entrepreneurs who, who might want to join us. Working with them to onboard them to their roles is probably one of the most exciting parts of my job, actually. like Seeing them emerge as future leaders is, is really cool.
2: It's very multifaceted, the work that you do at Turn, and there's so many different areas that you addressed into bringing those migrants and refugees into that entrepreneurial space, which is just really amazing. And if we're speaking about the entrepreneurs themselves, what Mm. obstacles uniquely impact refugees and interfere with them in establishing their own enterprises and businesses?
1: I guess speaking specifically in the context of the UK, some of these projects, some of these issues apply internationally. My experience is really within the UK. The reason Turnix is there is because newcomers here really face a very hostile environment that limits their potential and holds them back once they receive refugee status at the end of their asylum claim. And part of that is a very destructive asylum process, which sees around 50% of applicants waiting over six months for a decision, I can say I've worked with people who've waited over 15 years for a response. Even once that claim has been processed and they've received status, they have the right to work, they also still face economic discrimination. There are much higher unemployment rates amongst UK refugee communities. The UK average is around 5%, but in refugee communities that I work with, that rises to around 24%. In our last cohort uh, for an incubator programme, over 60% of people were highly qualified, but unemployed or very underemployed. There's a pool of talent, potential, new ideas and, and people who really want to be self-reliant. But because of the, the system that's currently in place, we fail to transform this. And this community really faces higher unemployment and destitution rates in the rest of the country. Starting a business is definitely not the only solution to this. It can really address some of the barriers I've mentioned. It can really help people overcome that unfavorable job market and, and help them to integrate in a new society. On the other hand, it also brings new ideas like cultural capital from other places and a new perspective to the UK. It has both economic and social benefits and and can build really strong commercial and personal connections between new and local communities and change perceptions and narratives around refugees arriving here. Personally for them, I've seen it increase their self-reliance and and confidence as well when they feel that they're contributing to, to their local community. But there are still, again, once they reach the point of developing a business and identifying as an entrepreneur, some of these barriers are really unique to their situation. One of the most typical ones is that it's really difficult for them to access mainstream finance. And they can also find it really hard to focus on business growth because they might struggle to access tech, for example. A lot of our community don't have a a laptop or a stable Wi-Fi connection, so they're trying to work on their phone. They may also be in an unstable housing situation, so registering a business is a really common issue we run into. Then there's financial instability as well, which is an ongoing challenge that I've been working on quite a, a bit over the last few years.
2: It's really devastating to hear about all those challenges, but I find it really interesting how you connect it back to the power of enabling them to create their own businesses and create their own opportunities and
1: mm-hmm. and
2: really enter that space of entrepreneurship and the social impact that brings. So it's really amazing. Thank you for sharing that with our audience, Isabel. And if we're looking at the Anka Collective, it's Europe's first marketplace selling products of new age refugee businesses. What opportunities does a network like Anka provide for both consumers, but also the refugee entrepreneur community?
1: Firstly, I want to say that I love that you've positioned that from both perspectives, because I think that's a huge part of what Anka is trying to do is connect communities. I really like that you brought the consumers into that because the impact is much clearer for the refugee-led businesses. Anka really aims to connect them directly to customers who want to support them and buy from them. But it's mm-hmm. also really interesting to look at it from the other way in terms of purchasing with purpose and consumers who are really looking to, to buy ethically, which I think is a growing trend, at least here in the UK. Mm-hmm. In, in terms of Anchor's growth, we currently have 15 founders selling on the site. And that seems like not that many are two years in we're adding another five this month, but we really wanted to focus on growing the platform very organically, very slowly, and we didn't want to add lots of brands and products. We wanted to see what do the vendors need from a platform like this, connecting them to customers? Is it they just want to reach as many people as they can, or do they want to work in a very different way to other sales platforms they use like Etsy, for example, where they have a really high commission charge to all their sales and struggle amongst lots of similar competitors. We wanted to create something that was a bit more unique, that would allow them to stand out. And one of the biggest things it gives the vendors is the opportunity to really test the water for the first time. Some people come onto the site, they've tested their product before, but they've never sold it to a real customer. It's just a very friendly, supportive network of customers that we have. And while some of them come across the site and have no idea what Anchor's mission or impact is initially, Everyone who decides to shop from it so far has been very invested in the values of the site, and that Mm -hmm. provides a really safe space and a training tool for first-time entrepreneurs to get experience with order fulfillment, managing customer feedback, customer complaints, thinking a bit about product design and how to manage their stock and processes. Then for the more experienced vendors, it gives them access to these customer people who are really already bought in to buying with a social mission in mind or social impact in mind. It gives them a slight market edge if their brand can stand out if someone's looking to buy from a brand with a great story behind it that's going to really benefit someone it, it's awesome for them the customers are just more likely to return because uh, they're invested in the vendors and they're invested in the story for the customers themselves Anchor's really giving them a chance to have a really positive impact on an individual's life and really buy into that change because at the moment we don't charge commission to the vendors in the future if we do it will only ever be very small there's still that sense that it's very direct from consumer to vendor and they can communicate Mm -hmm. directly and that creates a sense of excitement that you're really supporting a business that's just starting out on top of that actually a lot of them have social missions built into the brands as well so not only are you buying from a refugee founder and supporting that founder's journey for example if that founder was maria who's an amazing fashion entrepreneur who sells on the site you're not just supporting her. She also gives a percentage of her profits to a period charity in her local area who work with mm. refugee women who can't access period products. And so the impact is amplified. And that's one thing I'm really fond of with Anchor. That it gives consumers an opportunity to really buy into like authentic impact where it's affecting not just an individual, but also the cause that individual cares about. And That's something that's really important to me.
2: I love that idea of amplifying impact. It's a beautiful concept and it's really clear that the Unca Collective is going to progress more towards that in the future and do so much more wonderful work by supporting those businesses. If we're looking more broadly now at the space around bringing the opportunity of business to disadvantaged communities, what broader measures do you believe could be implemented globally to provide a more equitable opportunity for disadvantaged communities to create their own business ideas?
1: That's yeah, a really interesting question. I think there is already a lot of support out there and initially we really need to improve the coordination of that. For example, TURN is already part of a global network of organisations that specifically support refugee founders. And we found that it can work really well internationally when we openly communicate, share best practices and our tools and support and train each other in what we specialize in and let ourselves be trained by others in what they specialize in because every organization that's looking to support a disadvantaged community with entrepreneurship has a local context and you can really learn a lot from those there's an amazing partner in that, that network called the african entrepreneurs collective and we've learned so much from watching how they've helped their entrepreneurs access certain types of support and you take influences from each other and use those i think that's incredibly important but by far and away the most important thing for me is finance. I I believe we really need to build a, a global funding ecosystem that starts to meet the needs of these communities of founders properly, because while they do need mentoring and support, they also more concretely need money. This is all across the spectrum. It starts from really early stage funding, for example, finding better solutions for founders from disadvantaged backgrounds who are looking to access small loans, like small amounts of debt finance, and it goes all the way up to supporting founders from these backgrounds to access venture capital for their businesses. There are several options for how we do this. There are new pathways we could create to these businesses getting startup capital. We could lean more on disruptive financial models like crowdfunding. We could also look to establish more funds that are actually led by people from these backgrounds, people with lived experience from these communities. Once funds like that are created for these founders... Uh, it will create, hopefully, more pressure on traditional banks and VCs to prioritise diversity, inclusion, to prioritise businesses from these groups of founders. And I really think we have to see change in the panels that make these funding decisions too. So they need to be less homogenous. We need to have better representation. And for me personally, I think that includes refugee founders. They need to be welcomed into funding spaces. And there's just so much work that still needs to be done around that internationally, all linked up. I see very small pockets of it and it's exciting to see that network grow, but there's a long way to go, I think.
2: There's a lot of work being done in that space to connect up all of those organizations and amazing initiatives that are progressing towards that. And this provides a really good opportunity now. What are some organizations that you believe are creating a strong social
1: impact? It's a really hard question because there are hundreds (laughs) of them, (laughs) hundreds that I work with every day. It feels almost unfair to to shine a spotlight on a couple, but there are some, I think, in a UK context, the ones that stand out for me, some of the very grassroots organisations who often get overlooked. There's one here in London called Breadwinners, and they're just a really brilliant social enterprise who employ refugees and give asylum seekers their first work experience, selling bread on market stalls, and then in the back end of managing their online food business as well, which is selling bread and pastries. It's just a very simple model, but they run it in such a a friendly, welcoming and open way that I'm always so happy to refer people to them for work experience because they're just brilliant people. That's very local. I would say um, internationally, there's a really brilliant network called Startups Without Borders, and they're a great partner we work with. They host international conferences and they're really trying to connect up refugee founders from countries all over the world. They're based across Italy and Egypt for the moment. But they're just a great connector. If you're looking for information about this sector or these businesses, that's a really great place to start. But then, And there are a couple as well who are specifically supporting female founders from disadvantaged communities who I really try and give a shout out to. One specifically is Give Your Best. They're a charity who've created an online catalogue of donated clothes. And refugee women who, for example, might be going to a pitch or might be going to a job interview... They can go online and shop the catalogue of clothing for free. also great to donate to if you have sort of work clothing that you're not using anymore. And finally, Luminary Bakery, again a UK-based, basically run cafes and employability courses for women who've suffered from domestic violence and other multiple disadvantages who want to get into hospitality or catering. And they train them, support them, and they also just make incredible cakes. I always recommend people looking for birthday cakes and wedding cakes to go straight there. Definitely.
2: Those are a few really amazing initiatives and across quite a few different areas of social impact, too, which is great. So, thank you for sharing those with our audience, Isabel. And to finish off now, what books or resources would you recommend to our
1: listeners? Definitely, in terms of lived experience, author, I would really recommend The Light, the Sky. It's written by a man called Gulwali Pasali. So, he's a long term friend of TERM and it tells a story of his journey to the UK and his time here since then and he's achieved some amazing things but I won't ruin it that's one that you should definitely read for yourself and just be amazed at his beautiful writing but also just the humanity he brings um, to to that experience. I also recently read a really interesting book by Sue Lloyd Roberts called The War on Women and she was a a really brilliant video journalist and she basically travelled around and during her travels she documented all her interactions with women all over the world in very different and difficult situations. They're facing up to war, persecution, other atrocities. She has a chapter on FGM and she meets a different person in each country through her work and she writes a chapter with them. And it's really about their stories of fighting back and standing up and the impact they can make in their communities. That was a book that really sort of impacted me and my life. So I definitely recommend that for a read sound
2: like really great reads and so informative and so important as well, the topics that they're really addressing. Yeah. So 100%, I hope that our audience checks those out. And if they want to do that, they'll be able to, because in at the end of the article, all of the books, resources, initiatives, organizations, entrepreneurs, anything you've mentioned throughout this interview will be linked in. So they'll be able to either read through the article or listen to our interview and then click on through and check those out. That means that we're done, Isabel. I just want to say on behalf of Impact Moon, thank you so much for making the time to come in today and share your generous insights i can just say that i really got a lot out of the discussion today and learned so much about all of these spaces that you're working in with both turn and skylight ventures and unco collective and i know that our audience will find value in that too i just wish you all the best in the future with all of these endeavors and anything else you do in the future and i just can't wait to see the social impact you create so thank you so much
1: Thank you so much for your time and for shining a spotlight, really, on on what's a very overlooked sector in terms of refugee integration. So thank you. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below. And remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.